You guys, this week's episode is special. It is so a, special. It is, a, it is a very special episode. Um, it is a very special episode because we are not going to talk about a single movie and its soundtrack. We are instead going to treat listeners to a top 10 countdown <laughs> of uh, summer blockbuster popcorn spectacular movies that had yes. a signature song yes. that is an unforgettable uh, part of the movie experience. There are some good ones here. And that maybe probably was kind of like the bigger only song off that soundtrack. So And summer uh, movies specifically. The songs summer that specifically. Own the and summer. Joshua was like super fucking draconian about this. So <laughs> yes. if your if your yes. movie was released in May, he essentially, if it was like pre-Memorial Day, he was like, that's not a summer movie. There was one on the uh, honorable mentions list that was released at the end of August. And I, I was debating, like, I was like, is that, I don't know, does the end of August count? But I didn't, I didn't delete oh, it. Oh, because you, you mean, gotta have it all summer. I get, and it would, I think, yeah. I think Baby and Patrick Swayze would argue that the end of August is definitively summer, but what do I know? Where does summer end and fall begin, right? <laughs> Schrodinger's um, soundtrack. So, so that was some criteria. It was like it definitively had to be a summer movie. Uh, it also needed to be uh, a movie that we frankly didn't think we'd cover in a future episode. We right. nixed some. We nixed some things because some we thought yeah. we want to hold on to that. And a lot of a lot of movies that kind of like rely on one big song. Like they spent the whole budget on the big single. And yeah. sometimes the rest is even just like an instrumental score and they have like one or two right. songs. On. Yeah. But like some examples of like, so for instance, um, take my breath away off top gun, huge, huge song. Right. But it also has highway to the danger zone and it's just a soundtrack that we're probably going to do at some point. So, you know, a lot of people would say that's an all timer, but not on our list. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to get its own episode. These are, these are sure. the, uh, the lonely orphan summer summer jams. Yeah, yeah I, I've been thinking of this as uh, our summer soundtrack one hit wonders. Oh, I like that. That's good. Ooh. Summer soundtrack one hit wonders. So is that what we're calling this? I mean, we might have to do a little more research if these are one hit the wonders. The top 10 summer <laughs> soundtrack one hit wonders asterisk one hit wonders defined as being <laughs> not necessarily a hit but significant to the movie and also the <laughs> artist the <laughs> sometimes they refer to the artist as having the one hit wonder but these artists have lots of multiple hits maybe it's yeah, not a true. one hit wonder thing <laughs> maybe we're going it's down a the, one... the wrong the song for the movie it is but for the artist that's right it's the movies it's the movies or the soundtracks one hit wonder not the artist definitively not the artist's right. one hit so wonder. a double asterisk we got there's a lot of you know what let's also remember that like all listicles yeah our methodology is junk subjective whatever allowed us to talk about what we wanted to talk about. I mean, you may yeah. see it that way, but I think this is going to the <laughs> Library of Congress. This is definitive. I what really you all hear in the next hour or so is is going to be is going to last. It's going to matter. A hundred years from now, people are going to be talking about, oh yeah, but you remember number six. What well, are you we gonna are. do? That was number six. <laughs> so this is the top ten songs, 
from movies that we are not also <laughs> going to do a soundtrack of at some point in the future. Well, I, somebody clean the, that up for me. The perfect movie soundtrack edition of summer blockbuster movies, One Hit Wonders. Here we are. The, the perfect, perfect movie soundtrack, soundtrack edition of summer blockbuster movies, One Hit Wonders. Featuring Heather, the Bellwether Samples. The, the life, life of the, the party, party love party. party. Eddie, Joshua, Dina, my name's Rhymes with anything Weber. Number 10. You got the touch. The touch. <laughs> Transformers, <laughs> the movie. I forgot how good this was. Stan Bush, everyone. <laughs> Don't call him a one-hit wonder. No, no. Stan Bush. It's Kate Bush's brother. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, on the list for a couple reasons. One of those reasons is that we asked for um, listener suggestions and we're going to talk about those a little bit more later in the episode but i will say that this suggestion was made by the handle is helford helen i did not see this it's a great suggestion i did not see that she put this on twitter yes this is a great idea thank you helen Um, helen's a friend of the show she's amazing so this is a really great suggestion i definitely did not think of this because um i think that it is an outlier and i think that yeah, uh, you know, many of you listening will argue that it's probably not an all-timer, but now it is because it's on our definitive <laughs> list. So deal with it. But here's what's great about it: a lot of things. Sometimes One you of don't them, give the people what they want. You right. tell them what they want. You tell them what they need, and this is it. This song has, of course, grown in regard because, as you all know, I hope. It is the song in Boogie Nights that Mark Wahlberg is trying to record with his stupid band with John C. Riley, and they want to get the tapes and all this stuff. And I never knew that. Okay, Derek, you ready? Yeah, I was born ready, Nick. Let's go, man. Derek Diggler demo. Keep the vocals up. You got the touch. Take seven. Obviously, someday we are going to do Boogie Nights, obviously. So, you know, wow. hey, we'll talk more about this song. So this then. is just the this is just the P.T. Anderson Amuse Bouche. F- yes, absolutely. Wow, so, I can't believe I never knew that. This is why I listen to this podcast. <laughs> the Touch is a song that is played twice during the movie, and the first time is when Optimus Prime begins his assault on the Decepticons. <laughs> and then it's a little bit later in the movie also when Hot Rod opens the Matrix. Man. So if you're looking for those, I don't have timestamps for you, unfortunately, on those. You're going to have to watch the whole movie. Um, and be sure to watch the 1986 one, not one of the seven trillion that have come out since then. Wait, this isn't the Michael Bay Transformers? <laughs> Absolutely not. This I, is not. Has anyone seen any of those? I haven't seen any I of them. Saw the first I saw the one with the little beetle bug. You know what? That one got like moderately decent reviews. Bumblebee. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, that was... We liked that at my house. Yeah, it got... It, it was like uh, one where they like 
figured out that they needed to tweak some things, I guess. I saw the first one in the theater, and I guess I should have seen where culture was headed because I was watching it, and I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is beyond, like, it, it shocked me how bad it was. Now I would be used to that, but at the time, I was shocked. But mm -hmm. there was all these, like, dudes in the theater that, like, whenever, like, a, a Mustang would skid out, they'd be like, oh, yeah, woo! And I'd be like, are you kidding me? A car revved up. You're like, but have you whatever. even heard Stan Bush's The Touch from 1986? Exactly. That shit so, gets you going. Here's an interesting, a fun a fact, a, a, a fun fact for you, for you heads out there. The Touch was released as a double A-side single with, and the reason this isn't a question is because if I gave you a thousand opportunities to guess <laughs> who was on the other side of this double A-side, I promise you, you wouldn't get it. Not if you had a thousand. It's a double A-side with Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> right, I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer true on that. <laughs> Dare to be stupid is also a song that was on this soundtrack and they released it as a double A side. Wow. Does Helen know that? Does she even know what she was getting herself into with this? I awesome mean, I, I assume she wouldn't have recommended this song if she didn't own that split single. So, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously she does know. We're going to have to ask her about this. Now, one of the other things that I found out as I was um, looking f deeper into this song is um, I ended up on a Transformers, um, like, wi like wi I don't know what it's called, like wiki fan or fan wiki. Basically, it's like Wikipedia for people that pretend this shit's real. And so they were talking about how this song actually exists within the cartoon timeline. <laughs> um, and here's a quote. It is possible that the song was simply a general release that Prime, that's Optimus Prime, the Transformer. Mm -hmm. That Prime was personally fond of. Okay, so there you go. Like that, the reason this exists in the movie is because Optimus Prime was a personal fan of this song, according to some. Like they put it on in their Transformer car stereo. They have like a yeah, tape, I tape like deck the, in their head. I like the fact that you used non-binary pronouns for Optimus Prime just now, Matt. You were like, they listened to it in their robot self. <laughs> I was talking about the Transformers community as a whole, but oh, oh, I don't, I don't think they have transformer i don't remember gender being a thing i don't remember yeah I, I haven't seen i haven't seen the movies so i've only seen this one yeah i think it's entirely possible that transformers are absolutely living outside of the gender binary don't tell the dudes in joshua's movie theater about that right yeah no suddenly it'd be like you know why uh, man remember when things weren't woke remember when my transformers weren't woke you're telling me that mustang is gay now <laughs> um so number 10 transformers the touch by stan bush congratulations stan bush um <laughs> you earned it it's a good it's a it's a it's a really fun song probably a bit under the wire when it came out it wasn't like a big radio hit or anything like that but it's gained esteem over the years and you know what listen to the listen to uh listen to this jam right here it's a beaut Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Nine. Number nine. Nine times. Wow. That was quite quite the introduction. Okay. <laughs> Number nine. Nine times from Ferris Bueller? That's how many times he's been absent. Yes. Nine Oh, I got times. that. And then I got Joshua doing the number nine <laughs> Beatles reference. Yeah. And anybody got any other number nine references to throw out there? That, those are two good ones. <laughs> All right. So, number nine. Okay, so this also did not chart very high. This charted, this song that we're about to talk about at number nine was a Billboard Hot 100, but came in at 82. 
But like the Transformers song, it grew over the years, and I would say it became even more well-known and more popular. And um, the movie is from 1983, National Lampoon's Vacation, and it is Holiday Road. Tell, tell me you don't want to be driving somewhere. This is a real bop. I love this song. <laughs> it's one of the few music videos on our list that doesn't have a direct reference to the movie. What do you mean by that? There's no reference to National Lampoon's Vacation in this video. Oh, in like the, the music, music video, yeah. The music video yeah. itself, right. Matt, I'm so glad you picked this. The, all of the Lampoon Vacation movies are like canon in my family. And wow. when this song comes on, I just feel like I am going to spend the next hour and a half laughing hysterically. Yeah, and the song... I think I feel like the song is a song that everyone can sing along to. Even if you don't know it, it's such a simple song that by like the right. second verse or chorus, yeah. you want you want to be driving somewhere, cruising down the highway, windows down, and it just feels like happy summer insanity is right around the corner. Anything could happen. But what's really funny about this song is... A dead dog could be on the bumper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> also, I was just counting... Um, they add, he sings Holiday Road. He does road with 10 syllables in it. He stretches okay. road out to a 10 nice. syllable word. So that is very Service fun. journalism, folks. Very, Service very, journalism. I, was just, I was just counting as Joshua was playing. So it's very, very fun um, to sing along with. But the song, I guess, was so popular because not only was it in the 1983 original movie, which a lot of people don't know. I guess it's part of the John Hughes universe a little because he wrote the script. Howard mm-hmm. Ramis directed it. But they liked it so much that why not put it in 1985 National Lampoon's European Vacation? Put it oh, in. Oh, it's in both movies. It's in. Yes. It's in Vegas Vacation. Oh, which oh it's in Vegas. I've never too? even seen that one. Holy um, moly! I saw part of Vegas. I bad. don't think it's in Christmas Vacation because you can't. It's do not it. in Christmas. But we will obviously have to do a Christmas soundtrack special at some point, or holidays in general. Holiday soundtrack. Oh, I messed that up. Don't want to cut this. Edit it. Help. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this, um, yeah, this is, this is a cool song as I'm, as I'm re-listening to it, I, it, it occurs to me that I think that, um, you know, a lot of these seventies rockers tried really hard to, and failed really badly at making, um, their attempts at like fitting into the eighties sound. And I'd say this is a really successful. Oh yeah. Did we mention it was Lindsay Buckingham? Did I say that? I don't know if you did. Well, it's Lindsay Buckingham. Lindsay Lindsay Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. Um, I almost want this to be higher on the list, but because it's not a chart topper, you know, it didn't really own the summer. It kind of just crept up through the years. And I feel like everyone knows this song and you put it on and you can just see that beat up station wagon. Chevy Chase is driving around America and it's (laughs) it's just fun. Also, what I like about this is Chevy Chase kind of hit his stride where I feel like he was great. He was funny. He was a dick. And then he he kicked it into dad mode and found this whole new career just being a dick dad <laughs> where things yeah. don't go well for. And he kind of just found this whole second career because of this movie. Yeah, although in, until he got a little too old and then you realize, what well, dick grandpa's not nearly as interesting as dick dad. Although he does a great job in the in the remake of Vacation 
where he and Beverly D'Angelo make like a cameo appearance. Oh, okay. Wow, you are the vacation yeah, expert. Yeah. I, I, I've watched every single one of them many, wow. many, many. Does anyone have a soundtrack worthy of us to do? They don't seem like very soundtracky movies. Sadly, no. I think that you have chosen the the best of all of the music in the entire franchise. Well, it's in every though, movie almost. Though I, though, I, <laughs> though I will say that the theme song to Christmas Vacation always puts me in the mood. What's that one? I forget I'm it. I'm not going to sing you Christmas music. This is a summer special. I just wanted a title. That's all right. We'll have to wait. Listeners, you'll have to wait till our holiday spectacular. All right, so how's that for number nine? We like it? All right. Um, Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road, number nine. Very good. <laughs> number eight. Uh, number eight. That's you, Joshua. What have you got? All right, I've got a song that everybody is going to know, and um, I don't know that everybody's going to love it, but everybody's going to know it. This was uh, uh, as big a hit as you can have on this God's green earth. <laughs> Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the theme by Brian Adams. Everything I do, parentheses, I do it for you. This was a big part of my youth. If you haven't slow danced awkwardly yep. to this song, you have not lived. I mean, you can even do it now. Just find a partner. I, I, you should, you should. It'll Everybody. be very awkward still. <laughs> what do you think? Do you guys like that song? I, I, uh, I guess... I, I don't. <laughs> I think that's an appropriate I, like, I, my, my feeling is like, oh my god, I love this so much, but it's just yeah. operating on pure. I haven't right. heard this forever. It's yeah, yeah, so yeah. fun to hear it again. And it is, it is a hundred percent what it's trying to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's. I don't it's even know if the chorus is successful. that good, though. Is it that catchy? There's just something about <laughs> no, it. It's, it's so just, sincere. It's so. It's like treacle. <laughs> it's like. It's, it's so sweet. That it makes like your teeth. Hurt. Everything I do. Everything I do, I do it for you. So I got to. Um, I have a long time present that I've been trying to give Joshua that I found, and this is this is the right time to do it. Oh yes. I want you guys to uh, make your screens big if you can, so you can see what I'm about to show you. Oh my God! Is that Robin Hood, <laughs> the Prince of Thieves? This is a Kevin Costner as oh, Robin Hood. It's gorgeous. little action figure. And I think oh it was my brother's. God. We were very into this movie. <laughs> Look at those muscles on him. So he's wearing, he's, wow, he's got black wristbands. Yeah. He's got the Kevin Costner hair. He's wearing brown pants. He has like a short sleeve white turtleneck yeah. on. I don't vest. remember him wearing that outfit at all. Boots. That's much more of an Indiana Jones looking outfit. Yeah, and he's got like a leather strap across. Wow, he's got a real thigh gap. Yep, there's a thigh <laughs> gap there. It's the back. <laughs> and I found this and Joshua is this a devoted is Kevin Costner fan. <laughs> so I'm giving this to you on the I'm podcast right now. I'm very excited. It will appear on the wall behind me here um, in no time. I'm very Look excited. Joshua, I've never seen this movie. Should I watch it? Um, No, not necessarily. Oh, okay. It's 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 not <laughs> Christian Slater's in it and Morgan Freeman. It's jam-packed. It it was it's not a great movie. I am a very big Kevin Costner fan and there are some other movies of his that are uh, not liked that I will defend like The Postman for instance. But Ooh. um uh, but no, it's 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 pretty much everything you expect it will be and I don't necessarily mean that as any sort of like big thing. I mean it, it's 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 completely of the era. It's pretty cheesy. Um, he, he, you know, he's famous long. for him not being able to do the accent, so right. he kind of does like an in-between weird accent. He barely that make does sense. an accent. Barely so it's even just tries. like the song. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, interestingly enough, so here's something about the song is that they um they actually at first were di- didn't the um, movie people didn't like the song at first because they felt that it should be more era specific and it should have like lutes and shit like that in it. <laughs> um, and that's why it appears in the end credits is because they're like this is not going to fit within this movie because we're being so period accurate, right? You know, right? <laughs> But um, okay, so this was a song that um, was written by. Um, it was written by a couple people. It was a group effort. One of those people was Mutt Lang, who's like very, very famous hit maker. They wrote it apparently in forty-five minutes. <laughs> Which it feels like that. Up. The chorus feels yeah. like they're just like feeling it out. Yeah, um, but committing. You know, it sold fifteen million copies worldwide. It was number one all over the world. Um, in the U in the UK, it spent sixteen consecutive weeks at number one, which is still a record. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, it lost the Oscar to Beauty and the Beast, the title song Beauty and the Beast. Wow, the soundtrack machine was churning at this point. You're uh, up against Disney songs. Sure. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, was yeah. sixteen weeks on the charts. Just for a fun side note here, my high school was literally named Brian Adams High School. After this one? What do you mean after this one? After this after Brian this Adams? Brian Adams? No, not after this Brian Adams. No. <laughs> you have to give us some know, context then. I don't know who this Brian Adams was, but it was my I literally my my junior and senior year I went to Brian Adams High School and this song came out while I was there. This was the song of the year in my yearbook one year. And it speaks I think to just like you know, how old are we? You know, we're 16 or whatever we are, you know, and we pick as our song of the year, the number one song in the country, the number one song of the year. Like, it's just so obvious, right? It's like, but, none of but us... you're, you go to Brian, Brian Adams high. So yeah, I guess this is your moment. Maybe, maybe you got to grab it when you can. Man. <laughs> number seven. Before I tell you what number seven is, I want to ask you guys a question. Did you have growing up a book or a movie that you turned to specifically to get like vaguely porny content, like like a dog-eared <laughs> page of Tropic of Cancer, maybe, or well, or like wait, or like that. Girl, that I know, right? Or, I mean, it's like, like that's such a Heather thing to say. Like, oh yeah, when you were twelve, did you have a dog-eared page of Tropic of? Cancer? It was actually okay, sexist. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, or maybe that girl's tits in your European vacation. That's much closer to my reality. So yeah. crude. Okay. Does something come to mind? Um, I, I, a friend of mine had um, uh, an airplane, and there's a scene in Airplane oh. where a woman uh, jumps in front of the camera and, and her boobs jumps around and their boobs bounce around. And I definitely <laughs> remember him him like pausing that and you know slow mo and Fantastic. all that. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Perfect example. I had I had um, someone who set me up with all this stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> was this a neighbor <laughs> in a basement? Exactly. Yeah, she was the provider. My best friend across the street at the time. She was a year older. Stacy Spina. Her older brother would you know have rated our movies and whatever. Nice. And I'd go over there and play, and she'd be like, "Hey, do you want to watch this movie? There's boobs in it." And I'd be like, "Okay." Oh yeah. And she would just like yeah. show me because she knew it was like risque but interesting and we didn't always see this stuff and she was kind of the um sommelier if you will of uh young <laughs> young pornographic wow. materials she you was were, the coolest you were an you were an extremely lucky person matt yeah i, th- I like who wherever that girl is right now i'd tip my hat to you like that's excellent work for the culture 
I will tell you what mine was, and I would also argue that I am far from alone in this. A large format book called <laughs> Fairies. Oh, my sister had those books. Now I'm getting a whole new idea about this. Oh, no. <laughs> created by a man named Brian Froud. It had illustrations, for those of you who are not familiar, of all kinds of fairies. And the majority of the fairies had little nips, or they had little pee-pees, or they had little titties. There was like this sort of vague, like just enough like okay. anatomy of the fairies to really be arresting when you are like right on the cusp of puberty. Okay. Brian Froud is the conceptual art director and designer of movie number seven. Hit it, Joshua. <laughs> Jim Henson's Creature Shops Wonderland Labyrinth. A little song by somebody you might have heard of. David Bowie. I forgot how horrifying this movie is. There's a baby crying in a pit of Muppets. Uh, scary Muppets. <laughs> that poor child. Who lets their child be in a movie like yeah, this? Yeah, it looks terrifying. That's that's Toby Froud, Brian Froud's baby. Wow. Well, okay. And then now we get the singer who is about to be revealed standing up. <laughs> Bowie is, is into it. He's so great. Man, he's like he, he's not just getting a paycheck here. He's just like, no, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. Everybody knows that Bowie is. A, a, is like a sex icon sure. that transcends all forms of like human rules. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and and that really comes through in this movie, and because he's playing opposite Jennifer Connelly, who was right. cast specifically to like hold this, as Jim Henson put it, like dawn twilight moment between girlhood and womanhood. Mm -hmm. This movie for Gen X girls was. Uh, like it was a rite of passage movie. It was a movie that helped you move from one state of being as a child into another state of being. Wow. And Bowie helped you get there. And it is one of the sexiest, like uh, like underrated sexy movies I think out there. Um, June 1986. It's Jim Henson's last movie, um, and it came out of years of messiness. There were. Uh, dozens of scripts and treatments over multiple years of writing. It was a flop. It kind of broke Jim Henson's heart, Aww. but it turned into this cult classic. And uh, and I fucking love the movie, and I love the Bowie song. There are a couple of other Bowie songs on the soundtrack. Um, and Bowie was brought in specifically to kind of like revitalize the writing process um, and and like layer in this sort of like liminal character who could be both like joyful and appealing to children but a little bit shady and a little bit dark and mysterious um, and he did a much better job than some of the other people who are considered such as Sting uh, yeah I actually <laughs> know do you know the story about that I happen to know Tell this us. story that uh, uh, Jim Henson wa was gonna go with Sting. He wanted <laughs> Sting. He thought Sting was the right choice. And luckily for everyone involved, his son was the right age to be able to say, "Dad, do not do this." Sting, you think Sting is cool because you're old and you don't know. Sting is not freaking cool, and he's gonna make this movie not cool. And you know what? That that is a that is a prescient kid. Uh, 
hats off to Jim Henson's kid. I'm so glad that we have <laughs> Bowie in this movie. Wait, what and year was this movie again? 86. Was Sting that uncool in 86? I mean, he's Sting. He's in Dune. Yeah, he's not. He's in the original Dune. Is, his and name he's is cool. Sting. His name is Sting and he know. plays reggae. Quote, unquote, reggae. I Capital can see, R, reggae. I can see Sting. Obviously, Bowie's the I definitely choice. think there... Okay, look. I think there was a lot of people who did think he was the definition of cool. Jim Henson being one of them. But Bowie's the better choice, obviously. Yes. But Bowie I'm just saying... I don't think Sting would have killed the movie. Other contenders were okay. included Prince and, and Jagger. And I think right. that they have that same kind yeah. of androgynous sure. yeah. sex appeal yeah. that could have that done it. Um, but, but Sting does not and never has... But it's great that it's Bowie because I, Bowie mm-hmm. is is a, is like a multi-dimensional multimedia mm-hmm. artist. His whole life was a work of art. It makes so much sense that he would be the person to like breathe the spark of functional life into this project that was before that just a bunch of nerds sitting around trying to like layer some Wuthering right. Heights shit alongside <laughs> some fairy shit alongside some like Brothers Grimm stuff and like let's throw in a princess and I don't know is it a bad movie is it a sad movie is it a funny movie Bowie comes in and like gives it that perfect razor's edge that I think uh Totally stands the test of time. Worked. Another reason that it might have worked well for um, young women also has to do with the Bowie choice, not just because he's he's, totally. he's handsome and glamorous yes. and all these things, but he's also uh, very sweet and very joyful. Yes. Whereas, like, yep. I when you say Jagger and Prince, who are both great, you know, and they both probably would have done a great job, but they don't have that yeah. like pan like quality. I don't that know does. that I want mm-hmm. either of them necessarily uh-huh. hanging out with my preteen Jennifer Connelly <laughs> daughter necessarily. Not totally. that they would do anything, but they're just a little bit more edgy i think well i mean david bowie has slept with young teens we know that preteens, uh, 14 year olds you know, we can cut this part i've read the there, I've read the books there's yeah. a whole <laughs> so i wouldn't leave my daughter with him but i think he's great too because he adds to what heather was alluding to there's the reason one of the reasons this movie is so fascinating as a kid and it's the kind of movie that you for me, it's one of the first movies you discuss with other kids or siblings in a way you yeah. don't discuss other movies. Interesting. Because huh. it's so confusing and oh, strange. Really? And like it makes you want to cry. You're scared of it. Yeah. It requires like the kid version of water cooler talk to Yeah, and you don't it. know That's what's going on. And Bowie adds to that because you're like, is he a bad guy or a good guy at first? And it doesn't follow the rules of like the typical rules of scariness, humor, adventure of any movie. So you're fascinated by it and you kind of love being in this world, but you're also confused by it. So I think he's a great choice. I have to watch this again. I haven't seen it in so long. It was such a part of my youth as well. Number six. We're getting there guys. We're like, we're hit, we're hitting the middle. At what point would you recognize the song? We're going right into it. Nope. Right now, you think it's Garth Brooks, The Thunder Rolls. <laughs> God, I love you so much, Joshua. Who knows if somebody out there recognizes it already? <laughs> oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> yep, now we're going. We now, go. now we know what and it now is. Now we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Prince's Bat Dance. Oh, 
What do you think about this video? It's fucking awesome. (laughs) So there's multiple people dressed as Jokers and multiple people dressed as Batman. And like a jillion dollars of fog machine. Yeah. Yeah. More fog than you've ever seen. And uh, Prince is yeah, he's uh, like a ma- he's like a Victor Victoria mashup. Oh, you're right. That is kind of what he looks like. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and he's also playing all the instruments. They keep clipping to him, and he's like he's doing everything. Keep busting. Do you think? Do you think the keep busting <laughs> is a reference to Ghostbusters or a reference to something else? Busting makes me feel good. Keep yeah. busting. Yeah, there's we'll do we'll do a whole soundtrack on songs where people say "bustin." So this is a pretty interesting song. I mean, you can really get in the weeds uh, reading about the creation of this song because Not you know, <laughs> like all things Prince, it's it's um, both like kind of mysterious and also overly. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Overly researched, like like the library of Prince is 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 deep, right? And so people are very much like they footnote everything that he does, and they figure out you know where the pieces come from and whatever. So you could definitely um, wear yourself out trying to figure out how this song exists. Um, it's basically it's an interesting song. It's not in the movie. He uh, I assume people listening probably know this, but if you don't. Prince released a entire soundtrack to this movie. And um, I think that it probably would, uh, it was debatable whether it would fit into our overall criteria. So we won't get to it. We'll probably get to one of the other Batmans at some point. But uh, this one is all Prince. And there's some pretty good songs on throughout the soundtrack. There's some, you know, filler as well. But uh, this one was the big hit. And it's interesting because it's it's one of the only ones that isn't in the movie. And part of that reason is, is because it's such a crazy song. Like, it would really be distracting in the movie. Because um, the movie's trying to be, you know, atmospheric and, mm-hmm. and pretty serious. And this song is wild, man. And, like, it's like all these different pieces. And he, it's... And, and the story of how he made it is is basically that. It's an, it's a bunch of different songs he cut up and threw together and he put sounds on it and, you know, clips from the movie. And he just sort of threw it all together into this thing. It was uh, basically meant to be like just kind of a promotion for the movie, but it ends up getting released as a single. It ends up going number one. It's giant. You know, the movie was also huge. Um, so they were both sort of huge at the same time. I don't know that I've ever been more excited for a movie coming out. Maybe Return of the Jedi, but I was pretty young then. But uh, I was beside myself excited for this movie. Uh, counting down the days for, you know, probably a year. I knew the date that it was coming out. I knew what theater I was going to go to. I was a big Batman fan at the time, read the comic. I I was so excited. And I got to say, this song kind of confused me. Definitely. (laughs) I I remember being confused by it. It it doesn't make any... It's like... You know, the, the, Batman's a pretty serious dude. We know that way too well now because now Batman's become the most serious person in the universe. Um, but, you know, even in the comic books, you know, it's always kind of a heavy comic. And this song is so crazy. And there's so much going on in it. that, I, And it's, it is very campy. And definitely, like, this was a time where Batman was trying to get away from the campiness because that was sort of a trait of the 60s Batman. So I liked the song because I was, I was contractually obligated to, like, anything that was Batman official, but I definitely remember being a little bit confused by it and being like, wow, I, I don't know what this movie's going to be. I don't know how this song is going to work. Um, and 
it works because they use other Prince songs that do fit into the movie very well. They don't use this yeah. song. This in the song movie. is it's Prince just seems like he had no interest in the comic or the movie just the concept of batman and pop culture and then just partied with it and ran with it and yeah i think you're more or less right the the connection the real connection is that apparently the first song that he ever sang and played on the piano was the original batman theme song oh that's interesting, interesting. yeah when he was a little kid he just like taught himself and played yeah. and he yeah, loved playing you know yeah so how fun would that be to see a little clip of little prince uh you know just jamming out that batman theme song uh, but apparently, you know, so because of that, it was it was it was something that he was enthusiastic to do when Tim Burton asked. So this song is Proustian, is what you're telling us. I love the idea of Tim Burton and Jack Nicholson and everybody making Prince feel like he's connecting to his childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, he went for it for sure because the song's wild. Um, There's another Prince song. It might be the different one when yeah they're trashing a museum right. and gallery that and making art. That is a different art. one. That's right. uh, that, even as a kid because I remember the hype machine for this. I had a Batman T-shirt. Yeah, yep. it was just it was, everywhere. Yep. There was Bartman T-shirts, and I think Hollywood hit this new level of just hype. It was going to go for. Yeah, and you watch the movie, and the movie um, was great and really interesting, yeah. and you loved mm-hmm. it. But it was really unsettling. And as a kid, I remember when they're trashing modern art. I was like, this guy is evil. These people are chaos. This is out of control. So, right. I, guess, so I, guess, I guess I got the job done then. Okay, so that's 10 through 6 to review. We have Transformers from Transformers, uh, The Touch at 10. At number 9, Lindsay Buckingham's Holiday Road from National Lampoon's Vacation. At number 8, we have Brian Adams from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. 7 is Labyrinth, a David Bowie song called Magic Dance. And 6 is Bat Dance by Prince. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what this is making me feel right now? Going through them. What's that? More so than a top ten list, this is just starting to feel like a really weird, great mixtape. Uh, you know, in getting ready for this episode, I've been listening to it, and this is yeah. When we put the Spotify together and we release it, listeners, you're going to want to jam this thing. This is this, this this is fun. This is the first time that we've made our own various artists soundtrack. That's true. That's, and that's true. That's exactly wow. what we've done is we built we built our own various artists summer soundtrack. Impressive, it's, yeah. It's great. And I think you know, it's hard to just rank each song over them and I feel like it just feels like a really cool mixtape we're making. Kind of off the wall at some time some parts, but this is this is great. Let's take a little intermission right. before we hit uh Thank you. the the top half of of our list and uh to uh, shout out some honorable mentions that didn't quite make it on, um, and some that were suggested by listeners that uh, some good partic- ones, yeah, that we particularly liked, but for one reason or another, uh, didn't quite make it on either. I'm going to start that off uh, Thank you. with um, I, because one of our listeners, Annie Kane O'Connor, on Twitter, it's an suggested- old friend of mine. We dropped oh, out yeah? of college and ran away to South America together. You did. <laughs> Wait, what? Interesting. <laughs> Annie, do you listen to this podcast? What's up? Annie does listen to this podcast because Annie suggested Jackson Brown's Somebody's Baby from Fast Times at Richmond High. A really good Annie, one. That was a I really cool I want you cool to pick. know yeah. that there is only one reason yes. this song is not on our countdown, and that is because Fast Times will obviously yep. be getting its own episode. For sure. Yeah. It's not a one-hit wonder soundtrack. 
as we, we say. have too much to say about fast times. But we agree with you, and you have great taste, Andy. It will be a very fun Apart one. Apart from being like an old friend of Matt's. Can't speak to that. <laughs> She's great. We have a couple suggestions also from at Mr. Kalo from Instagram. Uh, and one of them, uh, well, maybe I should just let Matt explain why we're not doing the one by Bobby Brown. <laughs> Okay, so on our own by Bobby Brown from Ghostbusters 2, we're going to do a whole month of episodes on Ghostbusters 2. So we could... why are you guys laughing? I don't get what's so funny. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters Busted makes 2... makes me feel good, Ghostbusters Matt. 2 is the real story of the H.W. Bush era. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Well, man, I'm going to have to rewatch that, actually. And see what what the political alignment is. Right. But I do know that the rap breakdown I started singing on last episode, I won't sing again, is became iconic among kids on playgrounds. And you would rap the Bobby Brown part of Ghostbusters 2. And um, I don't know where I'm going with that. That's that's just how you live yeah, life no, back then. I mean, Ghostbusters So Mr. Kalo, yeah. excellent choice. I really appreciate it. If my co-hosts do. don't understand the beauty... <laughs> Of everything Ghostbusters. Uh, we just think that you need a spinoff show about the Ghostbusters universe. Maybe. You need, you can, need like more maybe. ground than we can give you. Can I please offer you a, a name for your podcast about this? Can it please be called Bustin, Bustin Makes, makes, me, feel makes me Feel Good? <laughs> <laughs> Bustin exactly. Makes Me Feel Good, the Ghostbusters podcast. Wow, you don't have to beg to um, be the co-host, Joshua. I'll let you on. If you, if you, if you. <laughs> I'll say, too, that a uh, friend of the show, Jace Kingsland Shim, uh, asked that we consider uh, Stand By Me. This is a really course, interesting Stand choice. By me. It really and is. It's, because it's, I think it takes some debate about whether it should be on the list or not. Um, it because felt it's, like... It's, it's iconic as it gets. It is iconic, yeah. a song of a movie as it gets. And it's a great summer film itself. And as a yes, kid, for sure. I remember it was a big summer song for me as a kid, too. Yeah. Discovering that song and watching that movie. And I love this pick. Now I want to put it on the top 10. Why did we not put it on the top 10, Heather? Well, the biggest reason was it, it kind of like Fast Times. Yeah. We thought there was a good chance we'd cover the whole movie. Um, I love that movie. Because the soundtrack really, it's kind of like a big chill soundtrack. Yes, for it's sure. It's like a lot of, yeah. a lot of throwbacks, um, but there are a lot of great ones yeah. by a lot of different musicians. It and feels like we'll get to it. It's also doing... So far, our picks have all been songs that were written for the movie to, you mm. know, and this is kind of in that pretty woman world where you take an old song, kind of give it new context, you, you know, borrow its nostalgia a little and make it new again. And sometimes these songs chart again, too, as soundtrack singers. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember. I think this did chart. Uh, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong about that, but I, I think this was a radio hit because of this movie. Well, and we can talk a little about... um other songs that did this like unchained melody with ghosts sure mm -hmm. you know this happens a lot the twist and shout and ferris bueller's day off oh, yeah. yeah and they that, end up that, on that the charts again. Was a hit again yeah or in modern times the right. kate bush song on stranger things heather yeah. what were you saying off air about how much money that made or joshua was saying apparently it is she has made 2.3 million dollars in the last two weeks or whatever it is off that song from stranger things from streaming i guess or people buying it? Yeah. It, it has to be from streaming. Yeah. Nobody's buying it's it. It's amazing. She's getting royalties from all of the people streaming the yeah. show. Yeah. And then uh, 
and then she's getting royalties from people streaming the actual song. Owning your publishing is pretty key when 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 it works out. (laughs) Listen to Dolly. Never sell your publishing. Well, yeah. Well, I know a lot of (laughs) I know some musicians who the only money they made in the game was selling their publishing rights. So you know. it's a tough spot when you have no money and somebody offers you money. Yeah, it's rocking a, yeah. rocking a hard place. Yeah. It puts you in Ivanhoe Martin territory. Ah, yes, yes. Good reference. Call Record back. companies are going to fuck you. Well, I mean, who would think that Kate Bush song would become the hit of the summer? Right, yeah. Uh, one more shout out I want to give to... Uh, Stottle? Yeah, it's 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 a play off of Aristotle. Oh, erudite. <laughs> a Twitter buddy who graced us with a a ten tweet dissertation on Bomb the Bass, Acid House. Their song Big Bear from a John Candy vehicle <laughs> called The Great Outdoors. I love that movie as a kid. Oh God! I loved it as a kid, and I have no idea the song was in it. I I, I only re- I only remember of the movie. I don't I don't remember the movie really. Here's the thing: it's actually a really fun song, super great song. Stottle is not wrong. Um, one, he did the work for us, so it seemed a little silly to rehash his his work. We will definitely be be uh, retweeting and posting the thread because it, it is, is amazing. Uh, it, it, he goes deep. He goes deep. So it's good. great. Uh, and the great outdoors is next episode's pick. <laughs> <laughs> Let us dream. Yeah, right up there with Ghostbusters too, babe. Um, and the last uh, listener suggestion that we're going to uh, go over here was um, somebody who does not have Twitter, who was recommended by uh, an- another listener who did the work for them. And it was uh, a song from the Lost Boys called I Still Believe. And um, to be honest, I don't really remember the Lost Boys that well. I saw it when it came out and I, I haven't seen it since. I remember the scene where there's the maggot, that <laughs> you know, the guys eating the maggots and the noodles or whatever. I don't remember it very well. I will say that this this soundtrack has been recommended to me a couple times since we started this yeah. podcast. So it, it, I actually considered putting a different Lost Boys song on our yeah. long list for this episode. So another case of we're yeah. we're not we're not ready to say this is a movie that won't get its own episode. Yeah, no, I mean based on people recommending it, it seems like, and I haven't gone and looked at the soundtrack list and what's on it, but apparently we should do it. So you know, hey. Um, we'll get to Lost Boys. I also want to give a shout out to Gail, who belligerently refused to submit hers uh, via social media and instead pulled a lot of strings to get a hold of me personally. And I'll just say, uh, Gail, stay tuned. And we got a great submission, but way too late from Rags to Riches on Twitter for mannequins. Nothing's going to stop us now. And I, I got to admit, if we'd gotten that uh, submission early enough, who knows how high it might have ranked on this list. Number five. All right. Top half. Top half. Top Let's do it. Half. All right. Number Num- five. Number five. Number, was that a reference five? No, it's just five and nine sound alike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Johnny Five is alive. There we go. Uh, Yeah, there we go. Number five is the top selling single of 1995. How's that for a summer jam of the entire year? 
Yeah, that makes summer all year long. But it comes from a movie about school, which is not really a summer topic. Mm, and there's a long line of these. I was thinking of, do you remember Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman? Oh, yeah. Yes. I loved that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And that uses You can call me Batman. <laughs> but he says it. And, um, you know, teacher movies, right? Dead Poet yep. Society. Stand, Stand and Deliver was right around that Stand time Stand and as Deliver. Well. But this, The Teacher Will Change Your Life and Save Your Life movie, had the best song out of all of them. And it's Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. Like a lot of the videos for this um, on our list, this is very much a video that is based on the movie. And so you begin in the set. Yeah, it's like a a side movie to the movie. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. And she's she's got backwards in the chair. A long leather jacket and lots of eyeliner. Because she's the the serious teacher. Like, you can't mess with this teacher. (laughs) This is a fun song. Oh, it's so great. And I'm going to tell you why it's so great. We'll listen to it a little first. I'm going to turn my headphones off. I really hate the trip, but I got a low... Michelle Pfeiffer is taking this 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 really seriously. Oh yeah, this is like she's a good teacher. She's a listener. A whole extra scene from the movie. Oh, she just threw her chair aside. It's oh, on cool. now. Not sure about Coolio's uh, sunglass taste in this one though. He's got some thin '90s wraparounds. Bold choice. I also don't know why he would be in her class. He's clearly 30 years old. I don't know. Well, she has a lot of like. Uh, people in her class who you know had to do a bunch of grades a few times right yeah recidivism recidivism what what, what word am i trying to say (laughs) (laughs) they were like (laughs) this video is fucking nuts well it's funny that like there's this there's this world of the music video for songs like this that uh we're, we're asked to like sort of exist in the movie space but in an outside of the movie theater like we're at home right now watching this video and it's like coolio exists in the school i don't know it, it's really breaking some sort of wall yeah there's this there's this like yeah there's there's this like worlds <laughs> colliding of the musician and the world but, right, within yeah. the movie which sometimes calls on the the characters yeah. in the movie to play a new character <laughs> as in this case where michelle pfeiffer is like not the same teacher that she is in the movie she's in this like weird she's a she's in like shadow version of herself they're in this like metaphor for the very situation that they're all just like acting out different characters uh yeah i i don't know what coolio is really trying to teach her something i'll tell you that he's like in her face telling her this story he's trying to tell her what's up what it's like in the gangster's so, paradise and she's listening but half of them ain't looking what's going on in the kitchen but i don't know what's cooking they say i got to learn but no anyway so the real secret sauce to this song is the stevie wonder song from uh kia life songs in the kia life from 1976 pastime paradise Are you guys familiar with pastime paradise I mean, it's just, it's one of those situations where the chorus is just wholesale lifted and the lyrics are changed. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. like, uh, 
what is like islands in the stream and get a superstar kind of thing. Coolio does a good job making it his own though. Yeah. It, and it definitely, he yeah. makes it something else and he makes it really interesting. And he ends up winning the Grammy for best rap performance for this song as well. Okay. It, it wins a bunch of awards. It's played to death. You couldn't escape it. You yeah. hear it everywhere. And it was the number one um, hit. Best way bigger than single. the movie. Oh yeah. Way bigger than the movie. Yeah. And he puts this, um, on his own album as well. I think this would have been a hit regardless of the movie. Um, they work well together. Strangely, I guess it worked out, but I think with or without the movie, this is going to be a hit. It makes me think a lot about Michelle Pfeiffer because I think this was a big deal for her to have this huge movie where she was headlining it. And her career just seemed like it just wouldn't end in a good way. I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. And she's I was having just, a very great, very late career resurgence. She's in a lot of, she seems like she's doing a lot of good work in the past five years or so. And she, honestly, she looks great in this video. Which she, I mean, yes, her Catwoman sure. is. And she's Catwoman. It's amazing. Fucking yeah. fire. She's, uh, she's, she's yeah. easy on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of easy on the eyes. <laughs> I didn't know where to go with that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about number four on our countdown. Hit it, Joshua. Another one of these music videos is going to start with like 10 minutes of prelude so that you get a real sense of the film. We're we, opening up on a, we got some, like a desert landscape. There's a ragged cloth on a car. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll swing. Oh, some plan. tight, oh. tight leather pants. Whew. How fucking ready are you for the rest of this power ballad? You are so into it already. You know who's playing slide guitar on this? No. Jeff motherfucking Beck. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? Yeah. And you know who's playing bass on it? Randy Jackson. <laughs> Wait. Which Randy Jackson? So, you're you're the one you're picturing. The one from American Mar Idol. American Idol. Okay, Randy yeah. Jackson's yeah, yeah, playing yeah, yeah. bass on this. Okay. Number four. Bon Jovi's. No. I'm sorry. John Bon Jovi's. Yes. Thank you. Blaze of Glory from Young Guns Two. He did not invite Richie to play on this one. Uh, well, this is actually the very beginning of his solo career. 1990, um, right? Yes, 1990. Um. And this is the album that uh, that really launches his solo career. And Blaze of Glory is the only song in his solo career that comes anywhere close to what what had happened with Bon Jovi, the band. Um, let me tell you a, a little bit about this album. It is composed entirely of songs that John Bon Jovi will tell you are inspired by Young Guns 2. God, dude was yes. into Young Guns 2, man. So was I, so, man. <laughs> so, uh, so the, the uh, Young Guns 2 people asked for uh, the rights to, to play Wanted Dead or Alive. Oh, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Um, which is, I don't know, like... 86? Slippery When Wet that is 1986, right? right? Nice. Yeah. So, a few years earlier, he's got this huge, massive hit alongside all of the other fucking hits on Slippery When Wet. And he kind of gets a little wind of what the movie's about, uh, this, this, like, Billy the Kid story. Um, and he's like, you don't want Wanted Dead or Alive? That's a fucking tour song. I'm talking about being on a steel horse. Like, mm. 
this has this this is like not true to the story you're telling. Why don't you let me write you a new song? Reaches into his New Jersey roots of being a cowboy, (laughs) and comes and comes out with this song, which, according to Kiefer Sutherland, he wrote on a napkin in approximately six minutes in a diner. I love it. And I will tell you that I watched this video on MTV 100,000 times. Mm-hmm. Well, is it because he's dressed like some porny Jim Morrison? He's so fucking... <laughs> oh, you're right. He does un- look like a sexy Jim Morrison. Yes. He's, he's really... Huh. Also, I mean, like, he's like I, half naked. He's got a weird, like, I guess he's it's supposed cool to be necklace. like a native necklace on. It's it's a funny outfit. It's a very tiny one vest. My, one no of shirt. Friends, not too long before this movie came out, Bambi Childress had a poster of Bon Jovi on her ceiling above her bed. Okay. Like, like, even Bambi knew that John Bon Jovi was hot. I will say that by the time this song comes around, I'm I'm starting to like phase out of my Bon Jovi. Right. Uh, but I, but, but I liked the song anyway. It's got that like lovely slide guitar that that's like still feels like of this world. Like it, you could almost mistake it for like the theme song of Deadwood. Um, it's great. Love this song. Another another song where the song is bigger than the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I have heard this song a million times by choice and involuntarily. <laughs> I have never choice. seen a second of either one of these. Oh, movies. I you think I went Young Guns or Young Guns too. No, although in, in uh, trying to dive deeper yeah. on Blaze of Glory, I like looked more closely at these two movies. And I was like, these sound like movies I would love. Why have I not seen these movies? They got all my guys in them. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw this opening cast. weekend. I was psyched about Young Guns 2 because I'd wow. seen Young Guns 1. Yeah. I saw Young Guns 2 and I thought it was so cool. And then I remember it was one of those things when you get older and everyone like talks about what a terrible, what a, well, people talk about what a terrible movie it is. And I was like, oh, because when I saw it, I, I guess I was... I think I was 11. I must have been 11 when I saw it, and I was like, this should get an Oscar. But yeah. I think it's really I'm bad. I'm betting it doesn't hold up really well. But it's got a cute cast. <laughs> yeah. I haven't revisited it, so hey, who knows? Maybe I'd that, love it. I do love Westerns, true. so who knows? But the cast, just real quick, it's Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips. Is Charlie Sheen in this one? Charlie Sheen's in the first one, but not the second one. They ditched Charlie Sheen, I learned, while For looking his brother? into this song. Uh, no, for Christian Slater. Oh, Christian Slater's in it. It's a bunch of like cute young men in this right, movie. Yeah. And it's like kind of the first time that we're yeah. getting a, a Western from the perspective of like younger people as opposed to like Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. Which, you know, for me at the time, that would have been a pretty hot cast. You know, I would have been all into that. Number, Number three. three. I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Number three is a song that I think... The reason I wanted this song so high is yeah. not because Why it's is a this great number song. Three? It's, I know it's very high. I will grant you it's very high. I think it's very high because I think it it absolutely might be the peak of a certain usage of song and movie. And I'm talking about um, the theme to Armageddon by Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. Close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fall 
I'd rather listen to the fucking Brian Adams song than this. What year was Armageddon? I forget. 1998. It's the most recent of all of the movies on our list. Well, you know what? There might be a reason for that because what this kind of goes with what I'm saying here is I think this is kind of might be like the death of using music in a certain way. They, yes. they, I don't, yeah. I'm not gonna freaking rewatch this movie to find out how many times they play this song during the movie, but in my memory, <laughs> they play this song over and over and over again in the movie. It's a song that, that was, that the movie took and ran into the ground. It was also a big hit. I mean, it was, it was Aerosmith's only number one hit. Wait, it was Aerosmith's only number one hit? Oh, so their number only number one, one hit? hit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no. Shoot. Really? Ever? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aerosmith is, is like one of those cumulative big bands, right? They're like an album band, right? They're like... Yeah, I guess They weren't, true. you know, any time they came out with an album, Kiss or Queen had an album the same year. You know, it's not like Aerosmith was ever like the greatest band in the world. It just yeah. seems like they would have slipped one of their songs into a number one spot. They did. In 1998, Armageddon's <laughs> I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. And I don't want to miss... Idea. No, but they didn't write it, you said. No, you're right. They didn't. She didn't. They, it was written by a hit maker. It was written by uh, Diane Warren, who's in the Songwriter Hall of Fame and has won every award there is to win wow. for, for writing movie songs and songs, uh, all sorts of stuff. And one of the scenes where this song appears is this one here. So I want to play a little bit of this because I think this is this really this this scene captures why this is so high in the sense that it's it's the peak of a moment in movies. This is like in the late 90s, like a movie would just be such a summer event and it didn't have to be very good. It didn't have to be like part of a franchise. It was just like its own thing. You could get the, the you know, put a couple names in it and and spend, you know, a bunch of money on the promotion and it would be huge. And this movie was huge. And this scene, I think, is one of the many times that it plays this song. And if you just look at the nonsense of this scene, like, why are they at this random gas station in the middle of, uh, you know, some place where they're laying out in the yard? And listen to this Kevin Smith ripoff kind of dialogue. What? I, I really don't think that the animal cracker qualifies as a cracker. Why? Well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie and... Maybe putting cheese on something is sort of the defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. It's like the Ben Affleck Weird. version of a Bateman monologue. <laughs> I remember uh, when the previews for this movie played before whatever they played before in the era. It was the first time anybody in the theater was seeing the preview for this. And there, you know, there's a comet coming towards Earth. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? And then in the preview, they're like, we've got to get the number one uh, driller in the world and it's bruce willis like oh yeah i can drill and i remember the whole theater laughing because it was just like the peak of like we're gonna get the best to do the biggest thing and it's gonna save the world wait what does he drill he has to drill like he he literally like drills oil wells uh and stuff like that so So they send him to the comet to drill a hole in the comet (laughs) that they're then gonna put a nuclear bomb in and blow up the comet now that you're saying all this it's like i'm it's like coming back to me and like the deepest reaches of my mind this movie is this was also during the uh, there was a plot was stick a nuclear bomb in the comet. <laughs> there is a incredibly funny uh on YouTube a a like a director commentary but it's not director so it's Ben Affleck does a commentary track for this movie 
clearly drunk and he is just destroying <laughs> this movie. I mean, this is a little bit of a logic stretch, let's face it. They don't know jack about drilling. How hard can it be? Aim the drill at the ground and turn it on. You think it's just drilling a hole? There's a lot you gotta know about. And when you're gonna break, snap off an edge in a tranny on a corner of a hot pipe, and you're gonna get a gas pocket. Like, yeah, well... What about when the booster rockets don't fire and your EVA suit and your zero gravity, you know? Didn't you see it? Didn't you see Apollo 13, boy? Armageddon is a huge movie, huge success. This song was a big hit. Um, but I picked it so, and I and argued for it so high because I think to our project of thinking about how soundtracks influence things and how movies are influenced by the soundtrack and how soundtracks influence and then back and forth, uh, I think this is a peak of something. And I don't have my whole mm. thesis ready for it, but I feel like it's a point at which they were like, you can't do a song any more than this. It is as if Titanic played Celine Dion four times. Yeah. It's just yeah. cheesy. Well, it always it's over the top. And it's like, okay, we've got to pull back from this. And all of the movies that came right after this, that kept doing this, just get worse and worse and worse until finally they stopped kind of making movies that look like this. I would always think of the Titanic song as well with this song. Cause this was that late nineties era Titanic, yeah. I think it was two years earlier. And it was just these like dramatic heart wrenching ballads that could be your wedding song. But I think Joshua was right. And it's, it feels like the end of an era, if you will. Right. And that yeah. era being these horrible schlocky movie songs. It's interesting that our list starts, uh, by the way, in 83 mm -hmm. with vacation and it and uh, our most recent one is is here with Armageddon in '98. So we only have this it's, fifty. Yeah. We've talked about yeah. all the, the criteria we put on this. So like, I, it also fits the soundtrack era. Uh, I I think that I think that this overlays mm -hmm. with what you've been calling the big soundtrack era in this really dramatic like clear way it's like a microcosm yep. of what's happening across the rest of uh, music and film and of the 10 half of them are between 89 and 91 oh wow huh wow that's so, interesting well when you think about it like the bodyguard which i think is um the best-selling soundtrack of all mm -hmm. all time is 1992 so okay. that's right after that little moment heather's talking about they finally hit the ultimate gold mine with whitney houston and the bodyguard right. and i think in that moment people are just seeing you know money dollar signs. money everywhere yeah dollar yeah. signs yeah you got to get a big you got to get a big band or a big singer to sing a song that might be in the end credits it might be in the whole thing i mean keep in mind that that bat dance was supposed to be a promotional sort of thing you know yeah. and it ends up being number 1 i mean they're like yes exactly. this is part of part of you can't make a movie if you don't also go get aerosmith or somebody to sing yeah. a big song on it that's when you know the dollars start flowing <laughs> One last bit of trivia I found interesting is that Diane Warren said the song is based on James Brolin and Barbara Streisand. Oh, wow. Wait, wait, what is based on them? The song? This song. This song. Because they was watching blew up a comet with a nuke? She was like inspired by that love story? <laughs> James Brolin loved her so much that he said that when she sleeps, he will stay awake and just wait for her to wake up because he doesn't want to miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's that fucking sounds like the early the disgusting. earlier part of the relationship. Uh, if I ever woke up and he was watching me sleep, I'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" If James Brolin was watching you sleep, yeah, that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he was watching one of her movies on TV. You know. 
Like maybe he's watching Yentl. Because he because yeah. he doesn't want to miss a thing. Disgusting. All right, we're getting near the end here. We're getting near the end. All, all of you listeners, you know, I know you got your uh, you got your little your, your predictions. Some of you are going to win money. Some of you are going to lose money. Good luck. And send us your corrections. I'm so curious. I'm sure there's like something we missed that we're all going to be like, oh, that one. So feel free to keep suggesting. Yeah. Or if you think after. that Coolio should have been six and Bat Dance should have been five, you know, hey, we can we can add and um, you know some like footnotes to this list when we submit it to the Library of Congress. It's fine. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. I mean, we're not going to change the list, but you know, we can make your your uh, argument known. Number two. Uh, number two. Before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you that uh, we've we've talked a, f- a few times on the show about an MTV sensibility, like with Romeo and Juliet. That critics were like, "What is this music video made into a movie?" <laughs> right. Number two is the actual thing that happens when you have an MTV sensibility. I love this song so much. Oh yeah, you know that big, you know that that tone. You get that feedback. Ten years ago, they sent a machine from the future to kill Sarah Connor. <laughs> this is the music video that is telling us what happens in the movie. If you don't, if, if unlike me, you did not spend the entirety of the summer of 1991 watching this video on MTV, allow me to refresh your memory. It is concert footage of GNFNR <laughs> interspersed with uh, the Terminator coming to, uh, coming to their show <laughs> to terminate them. Um, and at the end of the show, uh, when he finally kind of like encounters the band, um, <laughs> the video is funny. He sets, he's oh, it's a great video. He sets his robotic eye on everyone in turn, like target slash target Izzy, target Duff, and then when he gets to Axel at the end, his his little robot eye says assessment waste of ammo, oh. and that's and that's the end of the video. <laughs> The reason why this video and this song exist is because in 1991, the studios didn't know how to promote T2 without spoiling it. Oh, okay. Because the Terminator flips sides, they they really didn't want people to come into the movie knowing that that was going to happen. That's cool. That's cool of them to do that. And they struggled to figure out how to like build a content machine that would promote the movie without a traditional trailer. So they decide that what they need is a is music, and they need music from like a very big band so that the video can play on MTV as a way of teasing the film. 
And so they went with a very big band, all right. They went with the biggest band in the fucking world. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron, who, sidebar, I don't have a shred of love for, <laughs> did not want Guns N' Roses to oh, be the band. Of course not. But, but both the Suits and Arnold Schwarzenegger agreed. And they had this, uh, they had this private screening for the band uh, and the cast, and and Axel is like watching what if you guys remember like the, yes. the effects. Oh yeah. Of, oh, I remember of the very liquid well. Terminator yep. was mind blowing. Absolutely right? mind blowing. Axel watches this private screening and he's like, "Yes, we are in." And I will tell you that because this video came out a few months before Use Your Illusion, I was so fucking excited for those two albums and could not wait for them to drop. This song appears on Use Your Illusion 2. Mm-hmm. And I said to my dad, I need I need these CDs. I need one and two at the <laughs> same time. And he took me to Budget Tapes and Records <laughs> where CDs were still in long boxes and he said we can we can afford one right now. Oh man, Sophie's choice. <laughs> because this is a time period when like a CD yeah, was like freaking a really lot. Yeah. expensive. Yeah, eighteen ninety nine. Uh, I had I had been listening to this song for months by this point and really wanted to get Use Your Illusion too, but said to myself, "You got to do them in order." They want me to do this in order. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so good of you. And so I got Use Your Respecting Illusion. Respecting the artist. <laughs> Here's one thing that I I have about this song, and this is really weird, is that I have... Do you guys know about the Mandela effect? Yes. Do you know what that is? My kid says that all the fucking time, but I've never really bothered to pay attention. I'll tell you what, the best way to find out about it is a show, one of my favorite shows on television is called How To with John Wilson. It's an HBO show. I watched that episode. That's a great episode. So it's a a wonderful show, and he, he has an episode on the Mandela effect, but... Just in short, the Mandela effect is the belief that we have that that society collectively forgets certain things, but it's not really that they've forgotten them. It's that something has changed. And and different people have different theories on what it is. It could be that there's a mind control thing happening. It could be that there's an alien element. But it starts with the idea that um, all these people collectively think that Mandela was, that Mandela died in prison. Now, we know that Mandela didn't die in prison. And that inconsistency is the thing that has led to the Mandela effect. It's the people who say, why do I know and I have the distinct memory that Mandela died in prison and you all are telling me he didn't and I see evidence that he didn't and enough people feel that way that there's the Mandela effect and now they feel that way about a lot of things. I have the Mandela effect about this song because I thought <laughs> and I have always thought that this song played during the car chase scene where the Terminator is in the big 18-wheeler and they, they're chasing um, Schwarzenegger and... Uh, John Connor uh, on the no, on the motorcycle the that in the LA River John from one state to another I didn't I I swear to god I have always remembered that it was in that scene to the point that when I saw the movie later on cable or whatever and they were playing movie music during that scene I remember thinking oh that's interesting I guess Guns N' Roses didn't license the song for that scene <laughs> you're, I you're so hardcore in your memory <laughs> and today today I googled all that and I was like okay I'm gonna finally put this to bed what's going on here no apparently it was never in that scene 
I don't know, man. No. That's another thing that's great about this song is that it's used to carry John Connor from his like pre-destiny state of a, just a regular old foster kid getting in trouble to someone very, very special. John, John, get in there and clean up that mixed guy Foster parents are kind of dicks, huh? Ah! John! Come on, get your ass inside. Do what your mother tells you. She's not my mother, Todd. One thing that's cool about this movie is becoming like, you know, a franchise or whatever, is I don't think that there was a real sense that this movie... Okay, so Terminator, the first Terminator is a fun movie. There's no real indication that it's going... That Terminator 2 is going to come from this. Like... It's, it's oh, and it was also years between it was the years movies. between the ones, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of a a mid budget cool movie. Like there's a lot of them at that time, like Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. Like it just seems like, like another Predator one of those movies. A Predator, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So the fact that Terminator Two comes out and it's like, you know, it's it's like the Matrix or something, right? It's like taking it's like a whole new thing that is like, I don't know that anyone was prepared for it. I can only imagine that Axel Rose must have been pretty blown away when he got to see the sneak preview and yeah. decide whether to include a song or not. It's kind of what James Cameron did with Alien, which I love, but then he was like, right. we're going to take Aliens to this other insane place. Maybe that's yes. his thing for sequels. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. maybe he that's loves sequels. Bag. He's making 30 of them for Avatar right now. Oh God, they're going to, yeah. That movie is so bad. Maybe that world will end before he finishes. <laughs> <laughs> we are closing in, guys. Uh, man, you know what? I can I can I can feel our listeners' excitement as they are thinking, what about and you know, that list is probably pretty long at this point. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things we haven't said, but you know, I'll take this moment to remind you that, you know, a lot of things that you'd want to put on this list aren't on there because they don't fit the criteria, you know? So, you know, if you're And we are rule followers yes, here and, and we're very at the perfect about movie this. soundtrack. <laughs> should we throw out should we throw out some more examples? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're you know, if you're really upset that, you know, like um uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it now and and tell anybody who's holding out that Eye of the Tiger is right. not on our that, list. That's a borderline case. It's it's also transcended yeah. a summer movie hit. Yeah, it's just right. Yeah, it's just becomes its whole other universe. That song. So I don't think it's a real summer. I jam. agree. You know, I think that's a good point. I, when I hear Eye of the Tiger, I do not necessarily think of a summer movie. That's 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 a good point. Who put? Because I love whoever put. Christopher Cross's Arthur's theme from the movie <laughs> Arthur because it was a huge hit song. I sing that song <laughs> to my wife jokingly, and I secretly love that song. And uh, the lyrics are "When you get lost between the moon and New York City." Oh wow! And it's such a beautiful, cheesy, sentimental New York song. You got to check it out. How this? Um, I will. This uh, this it. long list taught me something this week, which is that uh, Trisha Yearwood's. How do I mm-hmm. live without you? Is from Con yep. Air, and never did I know I, that. What I oh, learned from it as well, I didn't know that either. Is that it was released on the? It was written specifically, actually, for Leanne Rhymes, and Leanne Rhymes' version was the bigger radio hit, and it was released on the exact same day as Trisha Yearwood's version. How weird is that? Out. 
outrageous. Wow. Yeah, they didn't want it because yeah. she was too young. Um, they, I guess they didn't think that she was appropriate for a movie that was trying to be a little bit more uh, adultish, Con Air. You know, the, hey, there's a Steve Buscemi plays a fun child predator in uh, Con Air. You know, you know, you can't have Leanne Rhymes on the soundtrack when good time Steve Buscemi <laughs> is uh, that, having tea yeah. with a little girl out in the desert. And then it ends, it ends where he like sees a kid in a swing and yeah. it's like, still got it. He's going to keep going. And I remember it being in theater like, wait, that's not funny. Yeah. Also, I think we have to talk about the song, the the big movie summer song that gets stuck in my head all the time, and I'm not a fan of it. It's such a bizarre, interesting song, though, which is Kiss from a Rose by Seal and Batman Forever. Right. The weird melody of that song that sounds like it can just keep looping forever, and it does in my head, is so strange to me. When it snows, that is such a bizarre, strong song. Seal is just weird. I saw him saying that uh, Kiss from a Rose was a, it was apparently a really early song in his catalog, and he's not a big fan of it, or he was not a big fan of it. Now he is, because it's the reason people go to his concerts, and it's the reason that he's wealthy. So, But it's that is an all-time, like, CVS banger. You hear that in every supermarket all the time. But Batman Forever is a decent soundtrack, and it's got the flaming lips on it, so we're definitely not going to waste it. Here. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there's more to that soundtrack. There is. There is. This is I mean, the Batman all right, the Batman movies after the first couple or at least after the first one. I don't remember what all's in Batman Returns, but I know in the last ones it was prime soundtrack era. It was when they were like we're yeah. going to get a ton of songs on here. Not only that, but this whole franchise has continued to hold this very high standard. Like the Batman, you guys will remember, oh, right. astounded right. me yeah. when Nirvana right. shows up like five <laughs> fucking right. minutes into it. Because uh, yeah. it's the emo Batman now. Yeah. 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 The the other one stuck in my head is remember that um I can't think of the I know what you did last summer, the one that's like hush, hush. <laughs> You know, now, babe, call to my name now. Hush. I can't think of what that is. You know now. what? I, I looked into this, map. I know what you did last summer is not a summer movie. Well, that's Ooh. weird. I know. I know what you did last summer is not a summer movie. I, was, it a, was it a holiday movie? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like a Thanksgiving like, movie. Joshua. It, yeah. I wanted there to be more horror on this. Oh, right. Because it feels like horror is like such a summer genre. It's not? It's, it's both not nearly as much huh. as you would expect and they don't have good songs because they don't have production budgets oh that makes sense because they're so cheap to make another one um on the on the, another one on those i think either of these songs and i don't know the soundtracks like I, I didn't research this i can't speak wholly because these songs were disqualified for a different reason but i think on you know certainly for consideration on this list you have to think about men in black and wild wild west both big hit songs but these songs were disqualified because yeah because they suck because because no one because no one wants to and, talk about Will Smith so that's oh. why they were disqualified I just think, Heather was just like we're not doing Will Smith yeah but even when even if you thought Will Smith was Jesus Christ you would still hate these songs and you would not want them on our cool mixtape they're terrible songs they would ruin our list <laughs> they're terrible songs I refuse. To participate <laughs> in any Will Smith conversation of any kind for at least another. You're doing year it right now. Too late. You yeah, I'm done. In. You you baited me. I know. I know. Fuck it's this. True. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> So the 
So here we are. Number one. Um, so I do think that the listener, the listener, should pause at this moment and 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 just hit pause or whatever you need to do and just guess. Take a, take guess. a guess. What do you think yeah, number one is going to be? Write it down. Commit yourself to it. <laughs> if you get it right, if you can provide evidence that you have gotten it right, I don't know. I don't know. We'll give you something. Honor we'll system. Something. We believe these people. Well, some of them I don't. If you tell us. If you tell us on Twitter or on Instagram that you have guessed the number one, we will make it worth your while to have let us know that. Just hold up a newspaper we, next to a photo, a, a video <laughs> of you saying we, it. We will, uh, we will find a soundtrack to send you. We will, we will do something. We will figure it out. But I, I will make sure that uh, if you guess it, you get a prize. So good it's, luck. It's, it's not going to be Joshua's Robin Hood action figure, though. That's up to him. No, no. no that, there's only that, one of that's those. Definitely, that's going in my Kevin Costner action figure collection. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking for that one. He's I like only a have, door of Kevin I only have the Robin Hood Funko Pop. I do not have the actual... Um, <laughs> All right. All right. Here it is. The number one song of all time. No, I don't know. What is it? The number one, the number one song of this list. Of the summer music jam soundtrack list. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me if he's straight out racist to suck a What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about that picture? What the fuck are you there? Are you? Fuck you! We want the black people and that motherfucking picture of fame now! Political fucking hoes in your own fucking day, fucking hour! With that jungle music off! We ain't in Africa! We ain't gonna be my jungle music! We ain't gonna be my Africa! In 1988, Spike Lee was making another movie and he needed a song. And he approached Public Enemy and he's like, I need a song for my movie. Not just the theme song for the movie. It's going to be a leitmotif, if you will. And mm. it's going to play throughout the movie at various moments in the movie. And it has to be basically everything that Spike Lee saw yeah. in Public Enemy. It has to be agitated. Like a pure distillation. Yes, yes. It's like sure. a very concentrated version of Public yes. Enemy. And and Public Enemy was, mm -hmm. they were smart, but they were agitated. They were angry. They were pissed off. They were righteous about mm -hmm. shit. They didn't take shit from anyone. And he's like, I don't care. This isn't Hollywood style. Just give me a, a song from the movie. And this is about political and racial unrest in Brooklyn. And Chuck D said... Okay, we can do that. <laughs> I think he was on tour with Run DMC, and they were headed to Europe. And while flying over Italy, he said he was super inspired, and he wrote it on the plane, most of it. Wow, really? Huh. Yep, on his way to Europe. And he said... I don't do shit on an airplane. I watch, like, Pawn Stars <laughs> on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> you don't write the most iconic song no. of, of, of a moment. And... It shows up in Spike Lee's next movie, Do the Right Thing. We know we talk about the perfect movie soundtrack, mm -hmm. but maybe there's another category where it's just the perfect movie track. Yeah, the perfect uh -huh. movie track. Yeah. yeah. The perfect song yeah. for the perfect right. movie. 
And, you know, it plays in various situations, most famously when Radio Rahim is blasting yes. it in the pizza place and Danny Ayel is telling him to shut it down and smashes the mm-hmm. radio with... Um, the climax of the movie. Yeah, and smashes the radio with a baseball bat. And every time it shows up, it just always feels right, makes sense. And the song itself is just banging. It's just it's just it's great. Un- believable how great this song sounds how timely this song feels one jillion years later yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah it's eternal It's it's timeless because it's like it's capturing this really insightful. Um, it's a very insightful song. I think it, it understands the dynamics of power in a way that it's just like unfortunately probably always going to be right. relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the movie itself is insightful, where you have to hold two ideas sure. at the same time. Yeah, you know why you watch it, which is why critics were confused and got mad and took yeah. sides. And yet. Both the song and the movie are like a summer jam. Yeah, the movie is also about summer in, in the sense that it's, it takes place. If, you know, if you don't know or if you don't remember this aspect of it, it takes place on the hottest day of the year. It is yeah. the summer plays. It, summer is a character. Oh in my the movie. god, that early scene where Rosie Perez yeah. is just sweating uh-huh. in the window. Oh man, <laughs> guys, we picked a lot of sexy movies. She's, she's, Maybe yeah. summer movies are sexy. Maybe this, and this be, song, yeah. this song works as a sexy song, as a just chilling on the stoop song, and as a uh, oh shit things are yeah. gonna go down song. oh yeah like yeah, it just works time. in all all those ways and it also is just just jams jams <laughs> people say jams no it no i i'm, I'm with you it pops it's, it's just jams I, it is a oh, yeah. jam it's I so fun it. it's just such a fun song yeah and this movie and this song do for each other and are themselves so great individually they are exactly what we're looking Mm -hmm. for on the whole album scale with the show Mm -hmm. like we're looking for it to happen across 10 tracks it's impossible (laughs) just the perfect movie but yes but if it could if 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 we could find that the album that's doing what these two things are doing on this this one instance that that's that's the whole so it's it's very fitting on this that we pick this on this podcast I just killed your fucking radio. So there we are. That guy's, that, that's it. It's the middle of summer. Summer's not over. This isn't an end of summer. This, you're, we're in the heart of it. Enjoy it. If you're in Texas, go inside. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Heather, you're, you're, the, you're the summer authority. Say something summery. Uh, She's the August authority, I believe. She's the late August. Oh, is that what it is? I thought Counting Crows was the August authority. <laughs> <laughs> I have strong feelings about uh, late August okay. being like the worst time of year. All right. Um, yeah, that's not this. This, but, is, this but is we're still... not we're not there. No. That's not where we are right now. We're at like there's still tons of opportunity for a fling. Oh, or for a okay. trip that you have failed to mm-hmm. plan, but you think could maybe still happen, or for uh, food that you've been looking forward to. Okay. You've got plenty of weeks to eat things that in just a couple of months will be much harder to eat. There's there's plenty of time 
to enjoy summer before it gets into that Sunday night darkness of like August 20th and beyond. (laughs) There's a lot ahead. Sunstroke, dehydration, (laughs) alcohol poisoning. (laughs) I am excited to find out what our next episode is going to be. And I believe it is Heather's pick. Nine episodes, nine episodes behind us. I feel like I've gotten a little typecast. Like, oh, I'm interesting. Yeah, by by picking really popular movies that people really like. <laughs> by picking chick. Oh, I was gonna say the Mean Girl, but go ahead. But- <laughs> by picking chick flicks like what m- m- the heather picks so far have been pretty in pink romeo and juliet waiting to exhale like i'm really yeah, okay. i'm really yeah. like delivering yeah. for the ladies right they enjoy it apparently i mean, I mean it makes our picks look pretty broy though it, i mean and, yeah, and it's true. on the other Might hand very broy fiction for Christ's y'all sake. are in this like action adventure yeah, violence totally. situation yep so I've been thinking I kind of want to like bring us just a little closer to each other where where I'm where I'm like not talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and Molly Ringwald and <laughs> and like you're not talking about like guns. <laughs> right. So, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so uh, I picked a movie that has just absolutely fun as fucking shit music. Mm. And and mixes some chick flick with some action and adventure, and has a blockbuster custom soundtrack. Huh. Okay. Here, here's here's one more hint. Lucy Liu with my girl Drew Cameron D oh, and Destiny. Oh my god! Charlie's Angels. Come this. on. <gasps> oh my god! Wow. So we are going wow. to we are going to watch that... McGee's fan. <laughs> Phasmagoric spectacle. Oh, okay. Uh, Heather, huh? I <laughs> I love this pick because I accidentally watched this movie and could not believe how, how fucking good it, was it is to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wow. made me kind of think that uh, Cameron Diaz was a good comedian. I think she's really funny, and I never thought that before. Really, she always kind of just like whatever. And there's something. So charming about this movie to me, and now I'm going to have to admit it in public. Spoiler! Emily, my wife, is just like, that's so lame, dude. Stop talking about Charlie's Angels to me. No, spoiler alert for all of the listeners. If you haven't seen this movie, it's actually a really well done uh, execution of what it aims to do. And it is really fun to watch, and the music is outrageously fun. Wow, okay. And talk about not caring about, like... Yeah. plot or no it's just or like just let's, doing its own let's thing have and, fun yeah. also i'll say one other reason why i chose it is this is it's it's, it's a movie that's uh one of its language one of its primary languages is nostalgia and we've talked so much about Uh-oh. nostalgia and like what the it disease what it yeah the disease and like what it means and how movies conjure it for us and how soundtracks conjure it for us and uh i think charlie's angels will help us get a little sharper Do you know that. the the uh, speaking of guns the drew barrymore role about no guns being allowed in this movie flower so films even, what, baby it why even, don't you tell us tell us in two weeks it just even leads to more <laughs> nonsensical <laughs> scenes let's just start it right now let's just go right into it <laughs> uh so yeah that's what we're doing next time 
Weird. I'm blown pick. away by this it. pick. I never, ever would have guessed that we were going to do this movie, but hey, bring it on. <laughs> Not exactly going to separate you from the girl picks, Heather. Yeah, but I, I no, don't know about that part of it. It is, but. you guys. First of all, okay. first all of right, all, we'll it's out. not a romance. Mm. That's true. S- second of all, no one is sad in it. Thir- okay. Third of all, uh, teenage girls love it. Yeah. Okay. And and <laughs> and uh, and fourth of all, it's uh, it's got. It's got like you know adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in the preview. Come see this movie. It's got uh, uh, you know adventure. Heather's like a 1950s uh, producer trying to sell us a movie in LA. She's like, yeah. it's got adventure. It's got girls. It's got music. It's got everything you love. I, okay, men love it. Cool. Girls love it. Oh my god, weird. It's right. Heather. It's so funny you picked that. That's like a secret movie I like, and I never tell. I told Emily and no one ever. Mm-mm-mm. But it's also everybody like, likes my picks. Yeah, but it's also like <laughs> it's it's just like eye candy too because it's all the candy. Everyone looks so hot in it. It's like snorting one of those giant pixie sticks. You know the kind that you get at the pool yeah. that are like an inch in diameter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're just watching hot girls dance around in outfits, but then also can kind of pretend you're a feminist at the same time. Yeah, all it's. It, we'll talk about it later, Matt. Sorry, I also listen to a podcast sometimes with of the screenwriter who wrote that, and he talks about the opening scene. Matt, are you done? I can't stop talking about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on a ventilator. Ugh. Thanks for listening. We have a Spotify playlist where we put all the soundtracks that we do on this show, and we've started doing individual episodes as well. And obviously, this one is going to be um, this is going to be a really good one. So you should check those out. You can find the link to them in the show description, and we'll be posting that um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. As you can tell by now, we love to hear from you. So reach out to us with uh, you know any corrections or comments or criticisms you might have at TPMS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We definitely appreciate all the ratings and reviews we've been getting wherever it is you get your podcast and hope you will keep those coming. And most importantly, that you will tell your friends. This is probably a great episode to introduce somebody to what we're doing. It's a little bit different, but it's probably, you know, an easier way in for some people too. You know, that person that you think uh, you didn't want to quite throw into the deep end with uh, American Psycho and Shadow Soundtracks and that sort of thing. For Heather and Matt... This is Joshua, and we'll see you in two weeks talking about Charlie's Angels.